put your hands together and give the Lord great praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name, Jesus. Holy is your name, Jesus. Glorious is your name, Jesus. Mighty is your name, Jesus. Powerful is your name, Jesus. Excellent is your name, Jesus. Worthy is your name, Jesus. We bless your holy name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh. Glory. Hallelujah. Go ahead and praise him. Before the pastor stood up and began to talk about worship and about the need of not worshiping God pretty much out of necessity, worshiping God for the benefit of ourselves, but worshiping God for the benefit of God, the benefit of his glory. And before he got up, the Lord was speaking to me. And I would say that it's in direct confirmation of what the pastor spoke. One thing God said to me, he said, George, he said, they are those that are here 
that are in love with the idea of worship. You love the idea of worship. He said, you love the scene about worship. You love to praise. You love to sing songs about worshiping him. All along, failing to actually worship him. This is the reason why there must, there's always a pressing need to motivate people into the presence of God. Because there's an effectuation that you have for God and not a true love that you have for God. The books one day will be open. And we will be judged by what is written. But the scripture declares that judgment begins at the house of God. It is necessary that we examine ourselves. Scripture says examine ourselves that we be in the faith. How do we examine ourselves? To the preached word of God the teached word of God and as when we begin to search the scriptures it's in them that we find eternal life but if you neglect what the scripture has said if you neglect that there's no other Messiah coming. Lift your hands towards heaven. One of the challenges of preaching and speaking the word of the Lord is knowing that there are those that may have an ear to hear, but don't hear. Having eyes to see and cannot see. I've developed a reputation throughout the years. Some say I go long. Not long did a revival where from start to finish the service was completed within an hour and 20 minutes. 
start to finish. From the first song to the person leaving the altar. Maybe it was something that worked for them, I guess. And that's not the only place. There are many places around this country that are having revival in an hour and 20 minutes. Being prophetically gifted and having some discernment and having gifts that accompany me in different areas of ministry. I know that I'm not just the normal or the typical what someone would probably say successful evangelist or cookie cutter evangelist. Not to minimize some of the brethren because there are many that are out there that are very powerful, much greater preacher than I am, much greater leader than I am, just much greater everything. If you remove the mercy of God from me, you remove the power of the Holy Ghost from me. I can't do nothing. I'm not talented. I don't, I can't depend upon what God did yesterday. God doesn't do something today. Nothing's going to get done. There are those that feel that time is more important than eternity. And we do things to accommodate time, but we do nothing to accommodate the eternal soul. I got to go to work. There was a time where I worked a secular job. I had a business, and even when I didn't have a business, I worked crazy hours. My wife was a registered nurse, and you know how their hours are. I've had children just as almost the same amount of time as my safe life. I've had responsibilities. I've not always been a full time evangelist. However, I would say that I thank God for the extended prayer meetings. I thank God for the times I went to sleep 
having to get up in a few hours to go to work after I'd given myself to church. But can I tell you that from the time I came in through the doors of the church, at a pastor, like you've heard my testimony, by the time I came into the doors of the church as a member of a congregation, I was already seven years, six, seven years filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The pastor was very privy to the things that were going on in the prison. He told me, he said, Brother Hurt, he said, I don't want no lazy preachers. He said, everything that God was doing with you in the prison, he said, I want you to do it out here. I knew that I still, to this day, belong in prison. But I am convinced that God has got me here. Not to do my bidding. Not to do my will. But to do the will of the Father. I never knew what it was like to not have some kind of responsibility to the house of God. I never knew what it was like to just come in and just sit back and warm a pew. There were people that I knew in church. They wouldn't Around certain times of the year, they'd quit paying their tithes. And they would go on a lavish summer vacation. I'm sitting back, can barely afford to take my wife to dinner. I had no problem with it. If I could do it all over again, I'd do it again. Because I found that God loves faithfulness. When I sit back and I look at the things that people were doing with their lives versus what I was doing with Christ, for Christ. I found that I had more joy doing the will of God than they had joy doing the will of man. I never knew, understood the concept of literally just sitting back and not doing nothing. A lazy saint. And when I say this, I'm not by any means speaking in pride. And Lord, I pray that everything that I say, I say it with the right spirit. No flesh. But 
But I never understood how I never understood the idea of God blessing me with a car but not trying to use it to bring somebody to church. I never understood shouting and dancing, talking in tongues throughout the service, but not talking to someone in English outside of the service concerning the one you were shouting and dancing about throughout the whole service. I never never understood when I came home from prison. People were like, Brother, I heard you talk about prison a lot. Well, that's where I came from. Maybe you should start talking a little bit more about where you come from. So you won't be so cold with where you're at right now. I remember laying in my six by nine cell worshiping God until the glory cloud showed up. People say, Brother Herb, we're going to come visit you. Family say, I'm going to come visit you. Baby mama said, I'm, I'm coming to visit you, and they don't show up. But one thing I did know was that I could depend on a visitation from the Lord. Something happened when I called his name. And the more I began to call his name and the more I began to worship him, his presence filled the room. I'm by nature a competitive person. I don't like losing at anything. I hate losing in basketball. I hate losing in pool. I hate losing in chess. I don't even play my son in Xbox anymore because I just hate losing. <laughs> Things that I'm good at, I do. Things I don't not good at no more, I quit. But I remember, I remember those nights where I yearned to be seated in the congregation of the saints. I would pray that God would give me a dream that would last at least 45 seconds that would let me feel the impact of what you freely sit on on a Sunday service, Wednesday night service, Thursday night service. Why am I talking about this? The 
There are those that are in hell right now that probably wish that the preacher would have went a little longer. There are mothers that wish that they would have kept their, would not have kept their children out of Sunday school. There are parents out there that wish that if they could get it all back, they probably would not have chose the ball game over the prayer meeting. The challenge when I come to a pulpit is that God usually has been talking to me long before you actually start listening. And the issue is this. Is that when God says that they rather, they love the idea of worship versus worshiping. They love singing songs about worship. Instead of worshiping, they feel as though they have reached a fulfillment of worship because they sung about worship without worshiping. There's a strong deception and a delusion that gets upon the heart of a person when that individual offers something up to God and says that that's worship when it's really not. And when you begin to measure the quality of that kind of worship versus the quality of Cain, you would find that that worship is in the same category. Abel offered up to God what he, what God wanted. But Cain offered up to God what he wanted and called it a sacrifice. The challenge is that when you approach a platform on any given week, You've got those that are going to hell and they know it. You got those that are going to heaven and they know it. And then you got those that think they're going to heaven and they're actually going to hell and they don't know it. And usually the majority are not the first two. The ones that <clears throat> that are fully aware of whether or not they're lost or whether or not they're right. Those are the ones that respond. But the ones that think they are but they're not, they're the ones that need a cheerleader.
They need a performer. Those are the ones that come to get something from God but have nothing to bring to God. They've made everything about themselves. Nothing about Him. What concerns me I know people say, Brother Heard, you go long. And I've been told that your preacher actually goes longer than me, so I don't feel so bad. I guess I'm in my element. I have no problem with somebody going long when they've got something to say. You're going long. My my thoughts at times is that people that don't listen have a tendency to be had to be told something over and over and over and over and over again. The tragedy involved is that there's an adversary that shows up and sits right in the middle of the congregation. And his job is to distract and to detour you from getting that word and that word implanted in your heart. He is there to keep thorns or keep the ground stony or make sure that it falls in an area that has no depth. Keep you shallow. Never receiving instructions with joy. But just something that is a part of your weekly religious routine. The check mark and say that I've done my job. If works did not save Israel. What more do you think your works will do for you? The scripture declares it is by grace that you are saved. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. There's a deception. And what disturbs me is when God says, George, you love, they, they love the idea. They love to sing songs about worshiping me. Without actually worshiping me. They worship the song more than they worship me. Worship the beat, the genre of music without effectively worshiping me. Why? Because worship is not something that you just sing, but worship is something that is done in spirit and in truth. There's a challenge 
And the issue is this. How can you let someone die and go to hell and not do anything to try to stop them? There's a concern because the church is no longer moved by heaven. They're not moved when someone goes to hell. doesn't bother them. I never understood having this message and not sharing it with a co-worker. I never understood about having this message and talk about what the Trinitarians don't have. Shouting about you a Pentecostal and you got the truth. But you have no life in you. The concern is that God is coming back for a church that has made herself ready. And when I sit back and I see the day approaching, Have you ever been with someone and you know what time something's getting ready to start? If your wife says the thing starts at 6 o'clock, and here it is, 5.45, you're just getting ready? There's a spirit of procrastination that has come across the church. That what we don't do today, we'll just do it tomorrow. And we just keep pushing off today, pushing off to tomorrow what we're supposed to do today. There's a challenge. And the challenge is this. Is that when we see the day approaching, there's something that should move the hearts of the people to say, I've got to get myself together. They used to sing and they used to say, don't don't let them catch you with your work undone. I got to be ready. When Jesus comes. I learned that scoffers are not just in the world. Scoffers right here in this church. Because you're convinced. Not just necessarily with your mouth. But with your actions. The prophet already spoke. And said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts far from me. That's what the Lord spoke through the prophet concerning his own people. So it is possible 
to speak something with your mouth and it not necessarily be in your heart. With your mouth, you say he's coming. But with your heart, he ain't coming just yet. The spirit and the attitude of the scoffer. I thank God for the souls that got the Holy Ghost this week. I thank God for the miracles that took place this week. I thank God for the souls that got the Holy Ghost outside of the church building this week. I thank God for the souls that were healed, the miracles that took place outside the church this week. I thank God for the souls and the saints that let their light so shine among men this week that they could see their good works. Don't tell me that you're letting your light shine and nobody can see it. Light can be seen in darkness. And the only way that light can be seen in darkness is if God covers their eyes or if you cover your light. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm asking you to be real with yourself and honest with God. How many of you actually applied what was preached Sunday? How many of you actually applied what was preached Sunday morning? How many of you have actually applied what has been preached throughout the week? Or did you come to be entertained? There was a generation that was raised by mom. Dad worked. But mom was in the house. Mom could not afford a television. Mom could not afford a game. But they raised their children off of interaction. Homes had problems. But they had families. You notice that through time, the dysfunction in the home became greater. When children were occupied by technology and devices and not actually spending any time with mom and dad. What do you mean? There was a time that you could sit a child down and actually teach them. But now if you don't put it in a rap song, If, if you don't, if you don't put it with a game, child can't understand it. 
We live in an hour where children almost have to be entertained in order for them to learn. And we speak against the school system. But really, you should also deal with the parents who are too lazy to spend time teaching a hungry child. But I find that that spirit is not just in the school. I find that spirit is also in the church. To the place where we want to learn through entertainment. And if the song isn't entertaining enough, if the preaching isn't entertaining enough, if the church doesn't have a coffee shop, if you don't make Jesus cool, then I don't have an appetite for that. That's fine. Because God said, I will spew you out of my mouth. The challenge is when you come to a platform and your audience have a choice heaven or hell. But there's a majority of the audience that is persuaded that they will never go. But if you deal with their hearts, they're on their way there. If they don't wake up. Sister, you have a snobby attitude. You're arrogant. You're self-righteous. You think that because of the things that God has blessed you with, that that puts you on a level that you can say whatever you want and do whatever you want, even because you have rise to a certain status in society. But God is one that has the power to bring one up, and God has a power to bring one down. And if you do not repent this night, woman, you will lose everything that you have. God is coming back for a church that is making herself ready. And if God has to destroy your image and has to destroy your flesh to save your soul, 
then God will do just that. God is calling you, woman, to repent tonight. In Jesus' name. Never understood being called out, but never bringing anyone in. Never understood the point of competition. That I'm only going to do the work if I get the credit or the glory for it. I never understood I will I don't have time for this. Don't have time for ministry unless you're on a platform. You've got time to go to the bank. You've got time to go to the grocery store. You've got time to entertain yourself. You've got time when it comes down to everything concerning your flesh. But when it comes down to your soul, you ain't got no time for it. Don't you know that your soul will perish? When you value this current time more than you value eternity, all in the name of Jesus, when you get to the end, you will say, Lord, I prophesied. I preached, I sung, I never went back to the bar room, I never, I, I, I was a good person, I was a good fine Christian, and he's going to say flee from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you, I fed the poor, that's fine, that's good. But your works don't save you. God's not calling for good works. God's calling for your obedience. He's calling for your, not just in obedience out of works, but I'm talking about faith that is moved by love. Why? I've been to funerals all my life. And I don't think there's ever been a funeral that I've went to where I've questioned 
Where is this person actually at? See, the thing is, we judge the outward. But God looks on the things of the inward. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all. Who can know it? Only one I know that has the power to know it is God. But the deception is that the enemy has convinced us that we know our own hearts. Can I tell you? The worst thing is to come to a place where you feel as though you have already arrived. I was in a meeting one time and they said, why don't you bring this certain preacher in? And the pastor, one of the pastors stood up and they said, no, we don't, we don't want to bring that guy in. Because every time he preaches, it makes me feel like I'm going to hell. Maybe you need that until one day you feel like you're not going to hell. We come to the platform. Here God is wanting to deliver. You from destruction. I'm reminded in the book of is it John says every branch that branch in me that beareth not fruit he take it away and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it that it may bring forth fruit Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine. No more can you accept. Ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Where's your fruit? Don't talk to me about your tongues. Where's your fruit? Where the fruits of the Spirit in your life where's the fruit of love in your life because love is not just something that you have love is something that you give some of you love that stupid little cat more than you love the soul next door to you yeah I said it you love that stupid little cat 
That little cat can get the world. But that neighbor of yours can't get a time of day. And them and their whole family are dying and going to hell. Or you sitting back giving your cat kibbles and bits. The thing is, is that your heart is a little bit more further away from God than what your mind actually thinks. You become deceived by your own thoughts because you reject the thought of God. He said, my thoughts are higher than yours. My ways are higher than your ways. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? If church attendance is the only thing that saved you, then Judas made it. Judas was everywhere Jesus was. talking to pastor earlier today I told him I said there's some people that take communion I was like I'm persuaded that some folks are sick and dying because they took communion the wrong way but we don't we don't believe in that you, you believe in that you believe in another Christ see you're the Christ that you serve is the other Christ that Paul said, if someone come to you, you know, don't you receive no other Christ except the one that we preach. See, there's many Christ that are out there. But there's only one sent from heaven. See, so you believe in a Christ that loves you more than his word. You believe in a Christ that loves you more than his glory. God will sacrifice flesh to save his glory before he sacrifices glory to save your flesh. The challenge is that time is running out. But before time comes to an end, deception will get greater. You find God in the book of Thessalonians saying, because they did not receive a love for the truth, God gave them over to a strong delusion. See, people that give the word or give their hearts over to their own thoughts, eventually, God says, because you don't have no, you, you feel like your ways are better. You feel like your thoughts are better. You feel like what you got going on is much better. Then I'm just going to turn you over. But your perverted spirit 
and your perverted heart would twist it and say, why are you trying to shame me? Why are you trying to guilt me? Why are you trying to fear me? God is love. Yes. God is love. But Jesus says that I am the truth. Love does not ignore truth. But flesh, that carnal mind, rejects love and rejects truth. Lucifer had no problem with God necessarily. He had a problem. He he wanted God to co-sign to his agenda. He wanted the blessings of God without the blesser. He wanted to do it his way. And when you're not submitted to the Holy Ghost, you're submitted to iniquity. I was a contractor. But before that, I was a union worker. The union workers receive wages, hourly wages. If you were a subcontractor, then you worked under a contractor for an agreement. Union workers, you got paid hourly. You had benefits. You didn't get paid as much at the end of the day. But you got paid more over time. Where the subcontractor, he would get paid more at the end of the day. But there was no commitment to him after time. Once that contract was up, there was no more obligation to that contractor. But as an hourly worker, there's an obligation after the job is done. After the contract is over with. The hourly worker. The employer has paid into his future. The subcontractor. Is only getting their benefits for right now. I've learned that God will subcontract some work out to iniquity. God will subcontract work out to iniquity. See, the hourly worker, he's not in this just for the right now. He's in this for the outcome, the future. There's an agreement that we're going to take care of your pension. When you retire, you're going to be able to rest. But then you take the subcontractor. He gets his reward now. And he's got to fend for himself later. 
But the employer, he takes care of his people now. And he takes care of them later on. Iniquity. They come and they work right there in the kingdom. They preach. Do things to help advance the kingdom of God. Cast out devils. Lay hands on the sick. Pray. Sing. Give. Maybe even invite a few people to church. But they're not doing this because of their love and their obedience to Christ. Just doing it for themselves. There are going to be many workers of iniquity that are going to go to hell. All because they're just trying to go to heaven. Why you say that, Brother Hurt? Because this is not about just trying to go to heaven. This is not about trying to miss hell. This is trying to know him. This is about a relationship. If that's the case, then your righteousness is no greater than the woman that's going to marry a man just so she can get out the hood. Marry a man just so that she can advance or or a man marrying a woman just so that he could get the benefits. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? There's something wrong. And I can't tell you what's going on in your heart unless God tells me. But it's not my responsibility to call you out when the word calls you out. Conviction. That's what you need. You've lost your conviction. You're callous. Things don't bother you no more. I'm I'm persuaded. That if your desire was really to please the Lord, you would be less offended of things that go on in this world. You would be living in the spirit of offense. Why? Because it's very hard to offend a dead man. When was the last time you pushed your plate back so that someone else could live? When was the last time you went overtime in the kingdom? Who's the last person you discipled? 
not talking about your success rate. Because it's very easy to have a high success rate and still die like a fool. Because race is given to those that endure to the end. You're going to win this battle. It's about endurance. It's not how you start. It's about how you finish. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? There's a lot of things that are getting ready to come to this world. Pastor, you might not want to hear this. But it's a good possibility that many of these people won't make it. I'm not saying they can't. I'm not saying they won't. I'm saying they've got to make a choice. The ones that didn't do make it is because they made a choice. It's about a choice. Even your destination comes with a choice. See, right now, we're in the peace or the calm before the storm. Not many days from now, there's going to be destruction like you've never seen destruction before in this lifetime. Why am I talking about this? I received a phone call, a text message. Preacher said, Brother Hurd, I want you to pray for such and such brother there's some few things I need to say before I get out of here he said brother Hurt he said pray for brother so and so he's been ministering this guy the guy got the Holy Ghost he's like I want you to pray for him he's in the hospital now I told him, I said, brother, I told him about a week or so ago, I said, you need to tell that brother, you need to make it happen on getting this guy baptized. He's got a condition in his body. I said, wrap him up in saran wrap. Do whatever you got to do. But that man needs to go down in Jesus' name. Just pray that God just, the apostles didn't pray prayers like that. Your salvation is not by convenience. Salvation is about your obedience. The day you hear his voice, harden not your heart. I spoke to the preacher and I sent them a message back. And I told them, When I told him, I told him, brother, you, 
you need to tell that man. You need to baptize him and tell him he needs to get baptized before he dies. See, the thing is, because the church has lost its excitement for eternity, they've lost their urgency. It doesn't bother you when you look at the obituary section in your city and see all those people that died and went to hell and you did nothing to try to stop it. Talking about blood that is on your hands. Because of your silent signature of consent that you gave by your silence. I looked online today. A preacher made a post dealing with things that are going on right now in this country. Why is it that you only get vocal when it's election time? Why is it that you only get vocal when it's a, a riot? Why is it that you, you become passionate? Why is it that you're more passionate about the kingdom of the United States than you are the kingdom of God? You tell me, well, your uncle and your grandpa and your dad shed blood for this country. Well, Jesus shed blood for the kingdom. I know you're afraid to say something. I know you're afraid to come into agreement with it. Why? Because you love this world. See, some of you were very careful to see if you would say amen because you're more concerned about the perception of other people. But can I tell you what is written? The Lord says, if you will deny me before man, I will deny you before my father. The church is in a place where Jesus stood. He began to teach. And the teaching divided the people. Many no longer walked with him. And then he looked and he turned to the twelve and said, will you leave me also? They said, how can we? For you have the words of life. Jesus did not waste his time trying to hold on to people that were offended. Jesus spent his time holding on the people that wanted to live. You want to be offended in this hour? You will die the death of a fool. But if you want to live in this hour, you're going to die out to yourself. The Bible says, he that seeks to save his life shall lose it. But he that loses life for his sake, the same shall find it. What am I saying, Brother Hurt? I 
never understood putting my mouth on a brother and sister in the Lord. I never understood putting my mouth on a preacher or a man or a woman of God and calling that righteous. That doesn't make sense. Why? Because no matter how close you are to Jesus, I promise you that Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you. And if you refuse to honor them and you refuse to love them, then Jesus will have a problem with you. What am I saying, Brother Hurt? There's destruction coming to this land. I promise you. There's some things that I've prayed for, prayed against. There's some things that are not going to be blocked. And if you knew the hour, you would be making yourself ready. But I know what it is. You're looking for the rapture as your bailout plan. Like, I don't know. Almost like there's going to be like an eject button. There's going to be some stuff that's going to happen long before the rapture takes place. There's going to be a trying of your heart. If anything, it'd probably be to your benefit that the rapture doesn't happen yet. Why? Because just because you might be ready to preach doesn't mean you're ready to stand before his seat. There are sacrifices that are being offered up. Last year when I was coming through this area preaching, especially in the New England area, I kept talking about, and the year before that I kept talking a lot about there being, I, I saw a lot of sex trafficking, molestations that are happening in high places from here throughout New England from here throughout New England. Their political leaders had a dream that there were political leaders. The Lord said they're taking them into a high place, molesting children as some sort of ceremony. What am I saying, brother? We're talking about old Jesus, but that's, that's the problem. We just sit back and I was like, man, that's messed up. But what is empowering them to do that is not their political position. 
what's empowered them to do that is the spirit that they're submitted to. I'm telling you, the Jews did not receive Jesus because they were looking for a political leader. Not a spiritual one. I reminded in, in, in the scriptures when the Lord took them to the Mount of Olives. Not the Mount of Olives, but to the Mount of Transfiguration. And the apostles afterwards began to speak among themselves after they saw Moses and Elijah standing with each other. They said, Lord, isn't it written that Elijah should come before the Messiah? And the Lord says, yes, that is true. And he did. He came through John the Baptist. The Lord then speaks to them concerning that and said, there is no greater prophet than John the Baptist. The Jews were looking for someone that would restore natural kingdom. Jesus came to restore spiritual kingdom. The Jews to this day are not just looking for an antichrist, but they're looking for Elijah. I'm persuaded, persuaded, I'm persuaded. That that false prophet that is mentioned in the book of Revelation will probably be considered Elijah to the Jews. And the reason why they will receive the Antichrist is because the Antichrist will be a political leader. The prophet will be the spiritual leader. The Antichrist will be a political leader. Why am I talking about this? Because right now things are being put in place to advance it. They're putting things in place to advance. Why? Because they do know that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of God. They're building technology right now to fight against, believe it or not, that's the problem. Is that the church believes more of the lies that the world tells. You believe more what you see on the news than what somebody gets in prayer. But what's going on? They're those that are in a place right now where they're trying to build things that can fight, that the attempt is to fight the Lord when he comes down with ten thousands of his saints. Now, the thing is, is that you've got a church here on earth that their whole focus is just trying to get out of here. Who fights a war? Any of you men fought in any wars? What man in here fought in a war? And
And when they threw you in the battlefield, your whole focus was, and we got to get out of here now. We got to get out of here now. We got to get out of here now. You didn't fire a weapon. You, you did not engage the enemy. All you did was just sit back and look in the air for the helicopter to come. No. If you're here right now, you're here for a purpose. There's something that you should be doing. And I've got a question. What are you doing? Don't talk about how messed up the world is when you're doing nothing to help it. We sit back and say, oh, man, this world is just going to hell in a handbasket. With the self-righteous spirit. Don't talk to me about you're, 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 not a, you're not called to ministry. Listen, you all have been called to ministry. Being salt and light is ministry. Don't tell me, well, I just lived the life. What life are you living? Are you living the life of the uh, disciples? Because that's the only life that is acceptable for Christian living. If what you're living doesn't line up with the scripture, you're in vain. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? We live a life that lines up with Catholicism. I'm going to tell you this. The harlot is everywhere. The harlot is in churches. The harlot is in the organization. The harlot is in other denominations. But the harlot is not in the kingdom of God. But everybody that's in the organization and everybody that's in these buildings are not in the kingdom of God. You can't walk in the kingdom living like the harlot. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? We need God to deliver us from this callousness, but it's not just... Account, not just asking. See, the problem is if I came to you, if I was your child, and you said, Son, go clean up your room, what would you expect for me to do? You say, Go clean up the room, speak louder. Now, you come back, and I haven't done it. What are you going to say to me? Why haven't you, you expected me to do what you told me to do? Now, what if I tell you, you know, Dad, I, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with your, what you're trying to ask me to do, and I need your help because I just, you know, I, I, I just don't have the motivation See, they can help me with that. 
There's one thing when a person's like, hey, I, I can't do it because maybe I'm locked out the room. I can't do it because, I, you know, because of, you know, this situation is it. But when you say you can't do it or you're, you haven't done it and there's no good reason for it, God's got a problem with that. And God's got a problem with lazy, perverted, Pentecostal Christianity. What do you mean, Brother Hurt? Are you just a good Pentecostal? You don't cut your hair? You, you don't, don't wear pants? You, you don't you don't go here, you don't go there. You're faithful in attendance to this building. But you're not faithful in attendance to the leading of God's spirit. If you remove this building, building how relevant are you to the kingdom? If you remove this facility, how relevant are you to the city? There were people that were, I drove past a church the other day and it said, we are essential. A church that does nothing but invite people to it but not subjected to the leading of God's spirit. People that gather but never go for sure is not essential to the kingdom of God. You're only essential to building your own kingdom. Why? Because the kingdom of God is something that is mobilized. A kingdom of God is something that goes. A kingdom of God is something that has been advanced. When Great Britain went and conquered places, they sent the ambassadors out to go into an area and they wanted them to occupy that area. And they wanted them to advance that kingdom, colonize the area. When they built these colonies, they came into land that was already occupied. They didn't go in the unoccupied territory. They went in the occupied territory. Now, when they came over here, they didn't go to the Indians and say, hey, why don't y'all come be with us? Come on over here. We got a meeting coming on. You know, no, it wasn't like that. When they came over here, they took authority. They communicated. They advanced. And they took the territory. The kingdom of God, to some degree, people say we're just spiritual. This is a kingdom. I mean, there, there is a kingdom. And, and, and because there's a kingdom, there's a law. Because in, in, in with every kingdom, there's a government. Right. There is a structure. Right. 
And the world is not concerned about your church building. The world is concerned about the kingdom coming. You just don't know who you are. You just thought you were a Pentecostal. But you got to understand that when you were born again of the water of the Spirit, you weren't just born again into the church. You were born again into the kingdom of God. There is a protocol. There's an order to the kingdom. And what God is looking for, he's looking for someone. Why? Because listen, not many days from now, you're not going to be able... People, people are not even going to want to come to a building. And some of it is already starting now. With just some of the lukewarmness. But if we don't get a hold. What do you mean? The Bible says nations shall rise against nations. Kingdoms shall rise against kingdoms. The purpose to do that is because they want to overthrow the kingdom of God. Kingdoms have to come together as one in order to fight against the kingdom of God. The Bible says a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. Why are they uniting? They need to unite if they're going to stand a significant half, an insignificant millimeter of a chance of fighting against the kingdom of God. You think Jesus coming down on the with ten thousand of his saints, coming down with ten thousands of his saints, descends upon the Mount of Olives to sing "Ring Around the Rosy"? There's a war. There's a fight. And can I tell you that there are people that are changing? And, and the thing is, you've got to understand that the kingdom of this country and the kingdom of other countries does not trump the kingdom of God. And you never allow the things that are going on in this country to divide you from the people that are in the kingdom of God. If you do that, you're not a lover of God, but you are a lover of this world and you are an enemy of God. Enemies are going to begin to reveal who they are. If you being on the left is enough to divide you from your brother in the kingdom, you are a lover of this world and you are an enemy of God. You being on the right, is enough to divide you from your brother that is in the kingdom, then my friend, you are a lover of this world and you are an enemy of God. You say, well, brother Hurd, I don't think you can be on the left and be saved. You got to come from somewhere. Oh, you've always been holy, huh? You, you've always been moral, huh? You, you've always, you, you came out of the womb talking in tongues, huh? Listen. You need to be careful about working out other people's salvations. 
when you haven't exhausted your own. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? Uh, me saying that, somebody's all, oh, he's already a leftist. No, I'm not. I'm not left, I'm not right, I'm holy. I offend both sides. That's not the measuring rod. This word is the measuring rod. You want to measure up to something, you need to measure up to what's written in this word, not what's written in your constitution. Why am I saying this? There's going to be an invasion that has already begun. The brother in the blue, as soon as I said that, man, your head perked up, man. The brother with the blue jacket on, your vice, I mean, my best president, <laughs> your assistant pastor. Mike, you, brother, you. And what God is going to do through you is going to begin to advance during that time. There is an, there is an invasion coming. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm a person that I don't always prophesy publicly on everything that God shows me that's going to happen concerning the broad things of this world. But when I do, it usually happens very quick. And this is only not to raise fear, but to put you in a place where it's like, all right, I need to do something. I need to get myself together, get my house in order. Reinforce the areas that are shaky. Because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. There's going to be a there's going to be an invasion. I saw. I saw other countries. Contracting with people that are within. The, there's going to be an invasion, but it will not be the way you would think. Throughout past history, when people invaded an area, what they did was they brought their troops. But I saw an invasion in this country using U.S. citizens. There's a spirit that is going to come upon the people. And there's a spirit that is going to come upon the people. When the spirit comes upon the people, they will rise up against other people. But the spirit and the weapons that will come will be funded from outside of this country. But it will use the vehicles. It will use United States vehicles to do it. What is going to happen is that there's going to be a people that will rise up. They will be a part of an army and some of them will be a part of an army that they don't even realize is even an army.
that belongs to something outside of this country. There's going to be war like you've never seen it in many different places. I saw people leaving this side of the country and trying to go inland. I saw states, I saw borders being cut off where you could not leave out of certain states. Certain states were cutting people off at the border. What is going to happen is that there's going to be different cities that I see on fire to the place where there's going to be some cities that will be left completely desolate. Reason why I'm talking about this is because the only order that you will find that will work will be the kingdom of God. Now, that being said, there's going to be disease. There's going to be murder. There's going to be people in the church that will begin to turn against each other. There will be different wars being fought all at the same time. It's not going to be just one kind of war. And as soon as you think one thing is over with, something else will come up. Remember when you was a kid and you went to that Chuck E. Cheese and you played that little game and that thing would poke his head up. And then by the time you hit that, something else popped up over here. That's exactly what it's going to be like. And the thing is, is this. That sudden change and that consistent change happening over and over and over again. Is going to get the people, some of the people of God that are, that are not following the voice of God. That 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 you're not you're not anchored. Your relationship isn't authentic. With all that change and all that stuff of your routine that you've become adjusted to, and not the leading of the Spirit, many people are going to fall off. Why am I saying this? I'm not saying that you have to. I am saying that you need to get yourself together. Many of you are looking at your families. The Bible says that a man's enemy will be that of his own house. Why am I saying this? Because some of you put your children before God. Some of you put your parents before God. But I saw saints turning on each other. I saw saints warring. I saw saints literally turning on each other. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? I'm saying that them that know their God will be strong and do exploits. If you're going to live in this hour, it's not going to be because you're, the purpose for this is not just try to save your flesh. The Lord will be making provision, but it will be in the kingdom. There's going to be a scatter. There's going to be a scatter. I know a lot of people might not like it, but there's going to be a scatter. And when people begin to scatter, there's going to be some men that are going to sit back and they're going to feel like, man, the work that I saw preachers in, the work that I built, spent my whole life building. Now it's been scattered, it's now been destroyed by the enemy. But through years, people have tried to build the kingdom by gathering. But the kingdom expands in the book of Acts when they were scattered.
these next meetings, these next services that are going to be had in many places around the country will be in place. People that are hearing from God, it's, it will be about equipping the people. It will be about putting tools and things into your hands. Why? Because when the scattering takes place, there, there won't be, well, there, I know a good UPC church in the area. No, you've got to be able to advance the kingdom. You should be able to get into another city. You should be able to get into another area and revival break out. Would you lift your hands? Hallelujah, Jesus. Put your hands down. I've been prophesying this for years. I saw a spirit rise up. And I saw a spirit rise up that these spirits were connected to ancestors. And I saw a spirit of anger begin to rise up even among the black community. I've been prophesying about this before all of this, but God gave me something else the other day. This spirit that is going to rise up will be an anger spirit. I saw them summonsing spirits from slavery and they were tapping into the anger of the slaves that they, that were back during slavery, the anger that people had when slave masters would rape their wives. The anger that they had when slave masters would sell their children. The anger that they had when slave masters abused their children and their wives and their husband. There are people, there are groups that have gathered themselves together and they're summonsing those spirits. There are black people that are going to get a hold of this and not just black folks. It's going to be, it's going to be a spirit. So it doesn't even matter. After a while, it won't even matter the skin color. But what they're doing is they're going to gather these people. These spirits will begin to gather. And I see people almost using, it was almost like through the worship of ancestral spirits. They begin to tap into another level of witchcraft that helped bring chaos and destruction to this world the other day a few weeks ago I was in prayer and I had a vision and I saw a man and a woman an old man and an old woman sitting on a, on a, on a porch it looked like it was the 1800s they were dressed like they lived in the 1800s they were sitting on the porch a husband and wife sitting right next to each other Husband's head was decapitated, sitting in his in his lap. The wife's head was decapitated, and it was sitting in her lap. But they could talk. And I saw people coming to the porch, gaining wisdom from these two people who sat in the on on the on on this chair, on the porch. Saints, you need to be careful what spirit you follow. You need to be careful what you allow yourself to get entangled in, all right? And the reason why I'm saying that is because there's a spirit of destruction 
that is coming. And if whatever, you're not going to be able to stop the destruction. But the Bible says, whatever you yield yourself servant to, that's what you serve. This is the hour to make sure that every step that you make is ordered by the Holy Ghost. Because if you begin to walk in the steps of a spirit that is, uh, the steps of something that is ordered by another spirit, by the time it is over with, you will be done lost your mind and you won't have any any desire for the spirit of God. If there's ever been a time for too long the church has just been having church with no responsibility of walking in the spirit, the spirit is what's going to save your life. The spirit is what's going to save your family. And if you're caught up in all this stuff, and you know, some, there's some people in this room, well, that's happening with the black folks. Well, white folks as well. The spirit of fear, the spirit of pride. I remember one time I had a dream. Years ago, I had a dream, and the Lord took me up, and we went out into the middle of the ocean. Next thing you know, I saw an angel that was decked out in red, white, and blue. And then all of a sudden, I saw an old steamboat that was decked out in red, white, and blue. And then the next thing you know, I went straight down into the belly of the earth. And I began to scream, I began to scream, and then I woke up, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, you need to make sure that the spirit of this country is not in your heart. What do you mean? The spirit of pride. You're proud to be an American spirit is enough to get you out of the kingdom. I'm telling you that God is resisting the proud, but he's given grace to the humble. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? You sound like you're anti. No, I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm anti anything that is not truth. I'm anti lies. I hate lies. But I'm pro-truth. I'm pro-kingdom of God. Why am I saying this? Because it's going to come down to this. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to choose. The Bible says with Moses. Because there's going to be some persecution that's going to come to the church. Like you've never seen before. I saw mayors. I saw mayors um, that were going in the cities and they were making the people vote. I mean, not vote. They were making them register. And they started, like some cities, I, I saw some states that belonged to the United States. And I saw other states that did not belong to the United States. And I saw new laws enforced in certain cities and certain states. I saw mayors going in the cities and making people register if you were going to go to church. I'm telling you, the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more this world will look at you more for being a kingdom than you are just a religious institution. If they're going to look at you as a kingdom, you might as well have the authority of the kingdom. Why? Because they see you for something bigger than what you actually see yourself. But what they're trying to do is they want to shut things down. Moses, you're going to get out of here. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to 
suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of reward. Listen. The issue is this. I know that there are people that are watching. I know that um, there are some people that are like, this brother's crazy. Some of you probably feel like I'm on my, off my rocker. Call me whatever you want. But you can't call me, well, you can't call me crazy. Amen. You can't call me a liar. I'm not here because I want to preach on the circuit. I'm not, I'm not here to try to get a revival at the next church. To be honest with you, for a long time, people that know me for a long time, I've been hoping that I could come off the road. I'm here to tell you the truth. I'm not telling you what you might have wanted to hear. But if you've been receiving all the prophecies, I've been prophesying to y'all. Talking about the blessings and God's been using me and all that stuff. And then God's going to do this. There was a young man that came and the mechanic that fixed my car the other day. Before we got ready to drop off, he pulled over and tried. He's like, brother, I heard. He said, hold on. He said, man, I got a problem with my ear. He said, I lost my hearing about three months ago. I got real sick and I can't hear. He's like, I can only hear about 10% out of my ear. I prayed for him. And I said, brother, I said, go home and drink some water. And when you swallow, say in Jesus' name. He looked at me. I didn't go lay hands on him or nothing. Looked at him. I was like, all right. He's like, okay. He drove on home. He was like, I mean, he, was, he told me today, he's like, I was actually getting ready to go to a gas station. And I got me some fresh water and I was getting ready to drink it in the car. He's like, but no, I'm going to obey what the man of God told me. He said, I went home. And he said, and I drank the water. I said, in Jesus' name. And he was like, Nothing happened. I knew nothing was going to happen at that moment. But he said, I'm going to hold on. I know God's done something. I'm going to let God do it. I'm going to hold on to the word that the man of God gave. He said he had to come over to uh, bring me something earlier today. And when he met me at the hotel, he said, man, I got something to tell you. He said, this morning, he said, I was sitting back doing a live stream with someone. And he said, all of a sudden, a sharp pain came in my ear. And I heard a loud pop. And he said, the person that was on, on the live stream with me, they're looking at me on the Zoom call, looking at me like, man, you all right? What's going on? Because he could, saw that there was pain. And then there was a loud pop. And God opened up that man's ear. this if you perceive me to be a man of God enough to obey what has been given to get a miracle then you should also be willing to do the same when it comes down to the saving of your soul and the saving of these people's souls that are in this city and in this country why am I saying this I'm telling you the closer we get to the coming of the Lord 
you're going to look at these meetings as almost a briefing. You're going to look at when we gather, it will be more like a briefing. A debrief and a briefing for what's to come. And we need to have that mentality when we come together. People aren't just brief to just, you know, man, that sounds great. No, we, we're, we're, if we don't apply this, we might die. God's going to give us supernatural wisdom on how to navigate. So don't sit back. Listen, don't sit back and allow all this stuff that I've said to make you fearful. The Lord has released this to bring your attention to him. I promise you. You have not seen the miraculous. Don't look at the destruction that's coming. You've not seen the miraculous. Like you're going to see the miraculous in this hour. There's going to be angels. You're going to see things that Elijah saw. You're going to see things that the prophets of old saw and greater. There are things that God is going to do in this hour that man has never seen or heard done before. And what we've got to do is we've got we've to make our calling and our election sure. If you lose your house, you lose it. I've got a beautiful house at home. I, I, God has blessed us. But the thing is, the closer we get, home cannot be this place. Home must be that place that John saw. I can't look at you like the way people want me to look at you. I got to look at you the way that God wants me to look at you. So what are we going to do between now and then? Have you ever had a season come, something natural, and you were happy that you actually were prepared for it? God is giving you this moment to get yourself prepared. But it's not preparing with procrastination. Get things out of your heart because the Holy Ghost is going to be the navigational tool. So lift your hands up towards heaven tonight. Oh God. In the name of Jesus. Lord, direct us tonight. Give us the right spirit, the right heart. In the name of Jesus, that's it. Come on.
In the name of Jesus, Lord God, we need you. Your perfect will to be done in our life, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on, that's it. Keep talking to the Lord. What is it that God's telling you to do? What is it that you're holding on to? What are the distractions that are in your life? What are the things that God is telling you to get rid of? I'm telling you the coronavirus is going to be the least of your worries. By this time next year, you're going to be wishing that that was all that you were dealing with. Come on. In the name of Jesus. It is time to get ourselves together. It's not how many scriptures you can quote. It's about the ones you believe. Hallelujah. Come on. The adversary doesn't see you as a religious group of people. He doesn't see you as a religious gathering. But he sees a kingdom being birthed. He sees a kingdom that is coming together. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. He sees you as a kingdom that is coming together. There are going to be churches that are going to have to shut their doors. There will be churches that will never assemble again. There will be buildings that will be burned down that will never be built again. But the kingdom of God is going to advance in this hour like it's never advanced in any hour before. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. I see backslidden preachers once again. There's a spirit of restoration that is in the land. I see preachers that are backslidden. I see men and women of God, evangelists, pastors, prophets, teachers, apostles that died spiritually for some reason or another. I see God coming into these graveyards and breathing into dead preachers. I'm talking about preachers that have spiritually died. There's going to be a restoration that is going to come upon dead preachers. And I see God restoring their ministry and restoring their anointing and restoring their soul. And the latter end of them is going to be greater than the beginning. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Time to get rid of the leaven that is in the church. Come on, the spirit of self-righteousness, the spirit of pride. Come on, you might not you you say you, you might not be a racist, but 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 you've got some spirits of dishonor in your mouth and your heart. You allow things to come out of your mouth about other people. Praise the Lord. That's not even calmly for a saint. Come on. 
It's time to get right. It's time to put on the mind of Christ. It's time to step into the will of God. Come on, just because you abide in this country does not mean that you are protected from the things that the scripture says that would happen to those that would believe upon his name. He said, you shall be hated of all nations for his name's sake. His name will bring about a separation in your life. His name will bring about persecution in your life. I saw mothers weeping over their dead babies in the street. I, I, I saw destruction and chaos in the street like you've never seen destruction and chaos before. Come on, we got to get into that place of obedience in the spirit. There are going to be people that are going to wake up and God's going to say, all right, I need you to leave your house. It's four in the morning. He's going to tell people to get up, leave their house. And as soon as they leave, within a matter of minutes after they've left their house, something to come to their house. But they're going to be able to say that God blocked it, praise the Lord, because of their ability, their ability to follow the voice of God. Listen, church, it is time for us to be more dependent upon our ability to hear God's voice than dependence of just coming to the same old building. The Bible said, my sheep hear my voice and another one they will not follow. I'm going to tell you that the voice of the great shepherd will be your protection in this hour. But if you walk as one that needs no shepherd, then when the enemy comes in and you're sleeping, you're going to be destroyed. But them that know my God, he said, them that know their God shall be strong. Come on, you've got to know him. It's no good just for your husband to know him and you don't know him. It's no good just for your preacher to know him and you don't know him. It's no good just for your friend to know him and you don't know him. We've got to know him. We've got to know him. Disciples were known by what they did, not by what church they assembled. Jesus said, if you don't believe me for what I say, at least believe me for the works that I do. Come on. We're going to do the work of the kingdom of God. We're going to work while it is day for the night cometh when no man can work. Come on, you, you, you can't wait. You can't wait and say, well, I, I need the pastor to come together and, and, and put together some sort of program, praise the Lord, to, uh, uh, to, 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 to make disciples. Disciples aren't made in classrooms. Disciples were made in the field. Their field was the classroom. Jesus went out there. He taught them. He preached to them. He, 
Some of us, praise the Lord, have been indoctrinated before you got empowered. But Jesus empowered before he indoctrinated. He taught them the principles. He taught them the deep things of the kingdom after his resurrection. You got to understand that when Jesus sent them out, they cast out, he cast out devils. He's healed the sick first when he performed a few miracles. And after that, he commissioned his disciples to go out after they had a, a, a level of honor and reverence towards his ministry because they had an honor and they were convinced that he was a man of God. They had confidence in their commission because they had confidence in their commission. They went out and they did the work that the king told them to do. Can I tell you that God says, I don't want you just to learn about the work. I don't want you just to teach about the work. I don't want you just to preach about the work, but you must go and demonstrate this thing. When you come together, you must go out and you must go and demonstrate what is being preached, what is being taught. Disciples did not sit back and have a meeting with Jesus and then turn around and then leave the meeting and go do their own thing. When they had a meeting with Jesus, they did what they, they when they had a meeting with Jesus, they went out and did what the Lord met with them about. Can I tell you that a disciple will do what has been taught after the gathering? You're not a disciple because you are a gatherer. You are a disciple by what you do after you have assembled, after you have gathered. What are you doing that testifies that you are a disciple come on true disciples make disciples true disciples win souls true disciples cast out devils true disciples lay hands on the sick true disciples don't just sit back and say no you're gifted in laying hands on people and that was not no he said he that believeth and is baptized uh, shall cast out devils uh, they shall lay hands on the sick they shall recover they shall speak with new tongues uh, if they drink any deadly thing it will not harm them uh, they shall tread upon serpents uh, listen that's not for a select few that's in the church uh, and that's for everybody that's baptized uh, in the name of Jesus Christ uh, and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, you're not a disciple because of your assembly you're a disciple based off of what you do after you have assembled yourself together you gotta go out you gotta turn this city upside down there are souls that are going to hell while we're having church uh, it is time to go out and win the loss I hope you get uncomfortable I hope you get so uncomfortable that you go home and you throw that television away I hope you get so uncomfortable that you go home and you just throw that that, that Netflix away you throw that YouTube away you throw that laptop away I hope you get so uncomfortable that you become so unglued from that internet that you become glued to an altar till you become glued to the presence of God until you become glued to the will of God for your life I hope you become so uncomfortable that you change your friends uh, and say either you're going to walk with me uh, and walk with God or we can't walk together for how can two walk together lest they agree I hope you get so uncomfortable until you choose whether or not you're going to leave the church uh, or you're going to be the church Oh. <laughs> 
Come on, there's got to be something that happens on the inside of you. Come on, there's got to be something that happens on the inside of you. If you're looking for entertainment to keep you in the kingdom of God, what are you going to do when you can't come together and there's nobody to play on the organ? What are you going to do when you can't come together there's nobody to play on the keyboard? What are you going to do when you can't come together and there's nobody to sing your favorite song? If it took entertainment to keep you, to bring you here, it's going to take entertainment to keep you here. But can I tell you that God said uh, it's upon his rock that he built his church uh, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, You need to come out of your entertainment uh, and be planted upon the rock. Uh, You need to get upon something that's solid. Uh, You can't be... It's time to come forward. where children are separated from their parents. There will come a time where parents are separated from their spouses. There will come a time where people are incarcerated for lies. There will come a time where people will be incarcerated for simple slander. And can I tell you, church, there must be something that you leave behind. There must be something that you give to your children long before there's a separation. Listen, some of you think that maybe you'll just grow old together and die. But can I tell you that sometimes it doesn't happen that way there's coming a time where people won't die after they have grown old but there's some people that will die before they grow old but can i tell you what are you leaving for your children what are you leaving for your family have what what is it that you have left for them listen i want it to be that when my child when i die when i leave this earth i want my child to say you know what my father left me an example my father taught me how to pray. My father taught me how to sacrifice. My father taught me how to win souls. My father taught me how to hear the voice of God. I 
know nothing. If I don't know anything else, I know what's God and I know what's not God. If I don't know how to do anything else, I know how to get a hold of God. I know how to follow the voice of God. I know how to follow the Holy Ghost. Listen, church, I'm not of this world. I'm going to a place. This I'm going to a city whose builder and maker is God. And the Lord came to me back in January 98 and said, Lord, George, you want to come walk with me? He said, come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. He told me that he would take me to a place forward with milk and honey. Church, there's been some obstacles, but I made up in my mind that I'm going. I've gone through some hard times, but I made up in my mind that I'm going. I spent six, seven years in prison, but I made up in my mind that I was going. I had people turn their backs on me. I had things that happened to me, but I made up in my mind that I was going. I went through hell. I've gone through high water. I've lost some things. People have died along the way, but I made up in my mind that I'm going. Listen, church, can I tell you that I'm persuaded that the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us when Jesus Christ comes back. The pinnacle of my faith is not a new car. It's not a new house, but that I may have Jesus. That's all I want. Just give me Jesus. I don't want the gold. I don't want the silver. I want Jesus. I don't want It's time to change your desires. as it is in heaven. God is tired of prophets that talk about the money coming but never talk about the kingdom coming. Mammon doesn't save you. We got to step out. We got to step out. God's not coming back for a has been. You need to be doing something. And if everything that you do for God is confined to this building, then you are not walking in the things of the kingdom like you should.
because God doesn't just want to. This is no more than an embassy. But that area out there needs to be colonized. And it's time to take the tools and get them out there. Why? Because Jesus is coming back soon. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. 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 In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, in Jesus' name. that those days will come. Those days are at hand. And you, being in the location where you are, need to be prepared. You are Antioch. You are the central of my spiritual kingdom. You are also Annapolis. You are central 
of the carnal world, of this this world. So you will be in heavy battle. You will fight spiritual warfare. You will have things come against you that other nations will not have come against them just because of your location. Trust the man of God. Trust what the man of God is saying. Prepare yourselves. Make sure that your heart is pure. Make sure that you have returned to your first love. I am your first love. I need you to know that I am your Lord, Lord God, looking out for your best interest, have nothing but good plans for you, but you must make an effort yourself to believe that what the man of God is saying is true. I come to you in love. I come to you in good faith. I come to you in the spiritual, and I've given confirmation in the natural. This is my word, that you must begin to prepare yourselves. You must practice heavy sacrifice. You must wean yourselves from the things of this world that you have become accustomed to. You must return to your first love, fasting, praying, reading my word, getting to know me better, staying close to me. I will stay close to you if only you will stay close to me. I will never violate your freedom of choice. Your freedom of choice must choose me. I am the Lord God that loves you. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody lift your hands. It is time that we become more sensitive to the voice of God than the voice of man, our human spirits, demonic spirits. But if you're going to become sensitive to the voice of God, it's going to be through your obedience to the word of God. Church, We've got to get this word in our hearts. And we must obey it immediately. We need to walk in obedience. We need to walk in love. We must abide in the vine if we're going to bring forth fruit. If we don't bring forth fruit, then we're cast out into the fire church it is deception if we feel that we can please God without fruitfulness if Jesus cursed a fig tree because it did not bring forth its fruit if he did not spare the fig tree but from the day he required fruit of it and it did not produce was the day that it surely died Christ spared not the fig tree. How much more would he do to you if you refuse to bring forth your fruit in the season that he's called you to? 
Lift your hands. Surrender your hearts. God, I surrender my will. Not by fear, but by submission. I'm gonna, it's going to be done through love just by stepping out, paying attention. Put your hands down. What's going to happen here? There's going to be people in this church and, out, and people that are coming in. You're going to begin to see some like almost like groups. And I see even within the groups, let's say 12, within the groups, you'll have partners within the groups, which become like two. And I see these groups going out, these 12s that would be broken up into groups and there would be twos. And I see through that there being a sense of accountability and I see people being, I see like what went on in Acts and what went on with Jesus and his disciples happening within this community and out of this community. The people that you win will also be a part of the group. And what will happen is instead of waiting until they have been indoctrinated to send them out, there will be a sense of accountability and a sense of responsibility that will come upon people that come in. That what's going to happen is you're going to see new converts casting devils out of people. The reason why we don't see it like that is because we feel that babes have no responsibility. But Jesus, all of his disciples, had responsibility the moment he called them. Just because you are a babe in Christ doesn't mean that you can't be used of Christ. And if we do that, that's going to get rid of the spirit that says that you've got to, in order to be used of God, you've got to be spiritually mature. Because what's happened is we've got a lot of spiritually immature people. They're used of God, but they're spiritually immature. But you call them mature because they're used of God. It takes time to develop character. But it don't take time to really demonstrate the power. All right? So in doing that, Jesus taught them character. Peter had character issues. Paul had issues. All the disciples had issues. But Jesus didn't cast them to the side. He dealt with them. He taught them. All right? So in doing this and moving forward, you'd understand that the days of just being a part of a small group or being a part of a church, being a part of a, I don't know, a small church somewhere, those days, that, that just that mentality, you've got to be doers and not just hearers. Is not what you're not just a disciple just because you gather. You're the, you know who the disciples were when the church scattered. All right? God bless you.